somehow Christianity still carries、um, the Western baggage,、mm. still more like a Western culture. And I guess the take-home message I want to、um, tell the audience today is: the Christian culture is not a Western culture. This is Out of the Margins podcast. The podcast space, especially in the Christian world, is saturated by Western voices. But if we want a diversity of thought to face the future together, we need to step back and hear voices from out of the margins. Here, we will be offering insights from experiences and perspectives from the majority world. My name is Edgar. And I'm Simon. And on each episode, we will be bringing to you our conversations with pastors, leaders, and scholars from the majority world. This podcast is brought to you by Young Langham Australia. This is part two of a conversation with Crystal Camuende. And Joseph about the topic of contextualization. Here, we will be talking about why understanding the language and history of a culture is so important in order to connect with that culture. So, without further ado, let's listen to the conversation. So. Crystal, I would love to hear about your PhD and how that is that related to contextualization. Yeah, so my PhD、um, is in Chinese translation of the Hebrew verb system, biblical Hebrew verb system, and so the hope is in the future there will be resources for Chinese speakers to learn biblical Hebrew in Chinese and through the Chinese lens. Because at the moment, even though there are so many Chinese pastors around the world or Chinese Christians, but Most of the resources、um, are actually through English grammar, and so I hope that in the future Chinese speakers will be able to study biblical Hebrew、yeah. in their heart language, not through a second or third language. Yeah, that's my hope. Yeah. So, why do you guys think language is so important? Then, because <laughs>、um, I suspect in a way language expresses identity.、Um, And forms identity as well.、Uh, it's how we communicate ourselves in a way, but as as well how we connect with others. Now, one of the beauty it's Lamin Sane, the late、uh, former professor at Yale,、um, used to speak of the translation principle. The idea that when the Bible is translated into the local languages, of course. Um, first of all, it preserves those languages. Secondly, it enriches those languages. When I read my Runyankore Bible, I meet words that I I would probably never have met, or I might have easily forgotten. And in many places in the world, the Bible does preserve languages. One of the things that I bemoan, or I I. I have issues with back home. Is when I hear that 
the translation to a local language is coming from an English translation. Mm. Of course, because we do lack resources, we do lack people who have learned original languages back back home. They, they are they are there, but very very few. And even mm. those who have are probably engaged in multiple places and spread too thin that they cannot be involved in Bible translation process. But what that me- tends to be is that the person in the in the village, in the remote places, are getting God's word not from the original languages uh, to their language, but actually via the intermediary of mm. the English language. But mm. the translation tends to be that by the time you move from Greek or Hebrew to English, you've lost a, f- a few nuances. Yeah. And by and when you come from English to the local mm. language, you've lost more nuances. Mm. And so you'll find that there are different um, there are things that you entirely miss many things if uh, you know. If if you don't actually move from yeah. Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic to mm. to the mm. local language, yeah, uh, this is actually my life every day. Um, I usually <laughs> I usually say to people, um, if you read a bad translation, it's like watching a black and white movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you read a good translation, yeah. you are watching it uh, in colors. Yeah. But if you read it in the original language, yeah. it's 4K 3D. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> you see, yeah, all the nuances, colors, yeah. yeah. Mm. And yeah, and I guess an example about like language really matters. It's um, like uh, we have an example, um, uh, a mainland Chinese friend never heard of the gospel uh, in his hometown. But once he heard about the gospel, the translation of the word gospel in, in his heart language is happy tune. So for him, the gospel is a happy song. It's just r- irrelevant. He, yeah. As soon as he heard about happy tune, he's like, I'm not interested in listening anymore. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, language yeah. really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I'll tell it from, the, I don't speak Kikuyu, my, my mother tongue. In Kenya, when we say mother tongue, it doesn't mean your first language, it means your mother's tongue. Mm. Um, and my grandmother, who can be pretty savage sometimes, this is on my <laughs> mom's side, she refuses to talk to us in English. Um, uh-huh. She can't speak a bit, but she speaks to us only in Kikuyu and Swahili. And she says, do you know what a person who doesn't have a culture is? It's a Kikuyu saying, they're a slave. And mm. so I think that brings out, it's pretty mean, I mean, geez. <laughs> but <laughs> it brings out the importance of mm. language because language communicates culture mm. and yeah. culture is rooted, like that's an identity yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and so when the best message in the world, the gospel is translated into a language that people mm. can tie to their identity, then it can begin transforming people and cultures yeah. because the language is there. Yeah. Yeah. Crystal, from your own findings, can you give us some examples of how translating the Hebrew the, directly into Chinese, what's the what are some of the, the examples that you can give us? Yeah, I guess before example, it's uh, also what motivates me. It's um, we usually expect Christians to to all we expect Bible college students to have good English, um, and so once we have a book in English, we expect the whole world, all the Christians in the world, can can read that book. Um, but just like what Commander said, um, actually the books are not 
helpful sometimes yeah. Yeah. to Christians in the majority worlds. So that's why um, that what motivates me is that we can't expect all the Christian, uh, all the Christians or all Bible college students have mm. good English to learn God's word. Yeah, and so that that really motivates me. And I guess a few. Um, Examples. It's. Uh, I guess I can give one example. So in the Old Testament, um, God sanctified. God sanctifies people. Um, God makes people holy. Literally, yeah. God makes people holy. Mm-hmm. But in Chinese, uh, we don't we don't use the passive voice very often. Um, in Chinese, the passive voice carries negative connotation. Once it's passive, it's negative. It's not like English. It is written. It is written. It's not p- negative. It's just neutral. Not yeah. positive, not negative. But once it's in the passive voice, it's negative in Chinese. We only use the passive voice if I am hit by a car. Uh, I got bitten by a tiger. <laughs> Things like that. I thought you were going to say snake. Okay. <laughs> African <laughs> context. <laughs> Contextualization. <laughs> yeah, and so instead of um, so in the if the Hebrew Bible is the Israelites were sanctified by God, we can't say that in Chinese. We can't use the passive voice in Chinese because we want it's a good thing. Yeah. We are being sanctified by God. It's a good thing. But if we translate it into the passive voice, it somehow carries the negative connotation, yeah. and it sounds so bad for Chinese speakers. Yeah. So the translation has to be God makes us holy, or. Um, yeah, mm. or we transforms yeah. in our holiness. It has yeah. to be active voice, and mm. Mm. yeah, and that's that's how yeah. somehow it's yeah. we lose the translation. We yeah. lose the nuance mm. in translation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Another aspect of context is history, right? And and the other day when you talk Joseph about African traditional religion, how you guys think that you know why is that important to consider when talking about contextualizing the gospel? Yeah, um, why it's important to think about African traditional religions when contextualizing. Um, Well, I could say maybe two things, and they may become three. uh, (laughs) 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 But but one, um, because the African traditional worldview shapes how the majority of Africans think and live. And these include people who do not know what the African traditional worldview is. Mm-hmm. That's the thing with yeah. the worldview. It's, it's pervasive because it's in the background. It's, it's the eyes through which you see, but we hardly think about the eyes until they have an issue. And so the African worldview shapes the way we think. It shapes the way we relate. It shapes the, what we do as well. That's one thing. But the second thing is to recognize that. So usually you hear things like Christianity is a white man's religion. And you might hear that from our universities, professors, or pan-Africanists, or atheists. So, you know, they will say Christianity is a white man's religion. But going back to the translation principle, you recognize that when the Bible translators did the translation, they did not coin new names for God. They actually called him by the names that were there. Mm. But why? You know, the reason is that actually God was in Africa. God was in Africa before missionaries came. 
the danger is for us to think that missionaries bring God where they go. And maybe sometimes missionaries might communicate that idea, either intentionally or unintentionally. But the readers of Scripture would know that God is everywhere. So when Jacob sleeps, uh, you know, as he's moving from uh, Beersheba to Haran, he gets to Bethel and he sleeps and dreams of a ladder connecting earth to heaven and the angels ascending and descending and God is at the top of the ladder. When he wakes up in the morning, that's uh, Genesis 28, when he wakes up in the morning, he says, surely God was in this place, yet I knew it not. Mm. And I think for most people, there is a temptation to think that God was not in this place Mm. and I knew it. Mm. But actually, it's the opposite, Mm. uh, that God was in my hometown before the first missionary or the first evangelist ever showed up. But if God was in my hometown, if God was in my culture, if if God was in Uganda before Alexander McKay came, what was he doing? (laughs) My role as a minister of the gospel is to actually discover the foundations that God has been building rather than trying to build new foundations. When I begin doing that, the aspect of contextualization again, when I do that, then I actually have a bridge to communicate the gospel effectively to the people that are listening. Then they begin to realize that actually the God that I'm proclaiming is not a strange God. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's, it's, it's not that I, we knew him entirely. Mm-hmm. I mean, God is inexhaustible and incomprehensible in his nature. But it's that there are things that he had revealed about himself. Romans 1, you know, his attributes uh, are clearly seen from what he has made so that no one has an excuse. And so what are those things that we could know from about God from our own cultures, yeah. from our own context, since mm-hmm. he is a God that we have named already, since he's a God that we've known already? And how do I, as a Christian, then begin proclaiming that this God has been revealed in Christ Jesus? Because if I do that, then in a way, there are many barriers that have been removed. Those who say, this is a white man's God, can no longer say that mm. because our ancestors knew him even before the first missionary stepped there. Mm. But of course, there is also the aspect of the fact that Christianity has been in Africa for centuries, centuries before before the first missionary stepped foot on the African continent. I mean, Christianity was was in Sudan, which is just a, 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 stone, a stone throw away from Uganda, <laughs> It was in Sudan in, within the 6th century already. The, mm. the kingdom of Nubia was already Christian. Ethiopia's uh, Christian mm. history is deep. Yeah. Ethiopia. Yeah. You, 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 you think of Numidia and, and Mauritania and Algeria and Tunisia and those spaces. These are places where Christianity has been for centuries and centuries and centuries. But this is a rich history that we don't know. So the, the need for, and I speak as an African, the need for us as Africans to understand the rich heritage of mm. our continent um, yeah. and what God has been doing there is very, very much there. Yeah. And I think the more we understand and appreciate what God has been doing in our mm. context, mm. the easier it will be as ministers to actually proclaim the gospel to those yeah. that might be thinking that this is a strange faith that we are introducing. For you, Kamwende, how, you know, in your struggle or you kind of come to terms with your African identity and with being a Christian, how do you think knowing your history plays a role? Mm, mm. 
something you'll find in Kenya is that people do not talk much about our struggle for independence and the cost that had to be paid for us to gain independence. It was a dark time. Hmm. So my grandmother, for example, only in recent years has begun to speak of the Mau Mau, who were the freedom fighters, of the colonialists, of the things that she saw and that she witnessed. Hmm. And it's from the perspective of we don't want to re-traumatize our children and our grandchildren for them to have in their psyche what we have witnessed. We don't want to pass that on hmm. because why would you do that if you love someone? Hmm. But the problem is that there is then not an understanding of the complexity of that time and the questions aren't answered. So one of the questions I have is, you know, the role of the missionaries in that time. If these were the people who came to bring the gospel to us and yet in many ways were complicit with the oppression of the Kenyan people, how do we reconcile that as those who have inherited this faith, yeah. who have chosen this faith, and, but who are now free? So how do you untangle those things in your, in your identity? That those who came with the good news of the gospel were linked to, not the same exactly, but were linked to those who came with the oppression of colonialism. And if you don't look back on history, if you don't analyze history, if you don't know your history, then those questions can't be answered mm. and you become confused in your identity your identity as an African, your identity in Christ, your identity is in very many different ways. And that's why history is really important because history results in questions in the present and those questions need to be answered and they can't be answered without understanding history. Mm. And I guess history is helpful to see how God was at work in the, in the past mm. and our own human sinful nature. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I guess colonialism helped us to see our sinful nature. Mm -hmm. And if we want to spread the gospel, we are talking about bringing the good news to the ends of the earth and how we don't follow that. How do we learn the mm. lesson really yeah. from the past? Mm. Mm. Wow, no, that's deep. Mm. You have any answers for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, I completely agree, as in it shows us our sinfulness and God's grace. And that's my grandmother. You know, I'm talking a lot about my grandmother. She's an amazing woman. <laughs> um, I forgot my point. Yeah, as you remember it. <laughs> no, 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 Joseph, 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 let me tell my point, let me tell my point. Ah, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, yes, yes. And so I asked my grandma after she told us this and the frustration of that time with the missionaries. I said, so how do you feel now, yeah. years, mm. decades later, about the missionaries? Yeah. And she says, I am completely grateful to them. Yeah. Because they brought us the light of Jesus. Without them... We were living in darkness. We didn't know who we didn't know Christ. Yeah. And they brought us Christ. 
And yeah. for that, I am grateful. And she's able to separate out the humanity and the brokenness of the missionaries mm. and the goodness of the message that they yeah. brought. Yeah. Talking about history and the fact that we talk about um, colonization in Asia, in, in Africa, and Latin America, what's the, the way forward in terms of understanding that every culture has value, something to offer? Mm. How do we go about recognizing that diversity and still trying to keep united? Yeah, I guess somehow Christianity still carries um, the Western baggage, mm. still more like a Western culture. And I guess the take-home message I want to um, tell the audience today is the Christian culture is not a Western culture. The Christian culture is not a Western culture. I guess for there, there are two groups of people. Um, a group of people who who still think um, the Western culture, the the Western culture is the best. Mm. All the Western resources are the best. And mm. I met some Christians. They became a Christian because they they wanted to be a Westerner. They wanted to adopt the Western culture. And to this first group of people, I want to remind them that the Christian culture is not a Western culture. Mm. It's not the best way. And you don't become a Christian just because you want to be a Westerner. You want to be more like Australian or more American. No, you become a Christian and you still you are still you. Mm. And another group of people... Um, who hate Western culture because of colonialism, mm. because of their history. Yeah. And I want to tell people that the we the Christian culture is not a Western culture. So mm. you can be an Asian Christian. Mm. You can be an African Christian because God transcends, uh, the gospel mm. transcends all cultures. Mm. And this is really the take-home message today, I think. Mm. Mm. Any comments on that? Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think it's important to recognize that there are different groups of people and their um, assumptions are different. Um, in terms of the unity and the diversity, it was interesting, Joseph, when you gave your talk, Joseph gave a talk a few days ago about the traditional um, African gods and the Lordship of Christ. And the comment that was prevalent after your talk from the people who came who were predominantly Australians I was like that was so challenging <laughs> I was like oh <laughs> I would have used different you know I would have been like oh that was encouraging oh that was just exhilarating oh that was refreshing you know but for them it was challenging it was like oh I hadn't thought this way before I hadn't um, mm. I haven't heard this kind of thinking before and and mm. yeah, that, that challenge. And I think that it is important for us as the body of Christ universal to be willing to be challenged yeah. and to respect each other enough to listen to a different point of view without dismissing it. Mm -hmm. Because that comes from pride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we can see over the course of recent history, when you think about colonialism and it's that complexity, how cultural pride has been so detrimental to the message of the gospel. Mm. And so I think that's something that is really important. If we are going to progress as the body of Christ globally mm. in a way that 
the Christian message is contextualized appropriately mm-hmm. to where it is landing. Yeah. We need to do our utmost best to be humble mm. in our cultural presuppositions so that the message can get through without us getting in the way because we refuse to listen to someone else because we think that we know best. Yeah. Um, and so two things, really, that I might conclude with. Um, again, there may be three. <laughs> 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 But the first is, so as we talk about contextualization, as we talk about the downsides or the, the things maybe missionaries did wrong, uh, it's, it's important, again, as, as Kamwende mentions of her grandmother, it's important to recognize that God used them Yeah. Mm-hmm. God used them to bring the gospel to us. And that shouldn't be lost in in even any critiques that we might have of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were human and they had their own weaknesses. And by the way, it's not not necessarily everyone as I mentioned Alexander McKay, I think by and large did a good work of trying to mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. be one with the people that he ministers to. He he at least avoided the You know, there are missionaries that can, especially short-term missions. Yeah, I have issues with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they come and then uh, they take a picture with a poor person from the slum, a poor kid, and they're like, yeah, I was in Africa. Mm. No, not that. Mm. Alexander McKay didn't do that. But th- there are good things that they did. There are good things that they did as one. Secondly, it's not that the African culture is superior. Right. Uh, again, from our conversation, that mm-hmm. shouldn't be mm-hmm. uh, at least what someone picks. I- every culture has its own flaws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every culture has its own beauty, and I suspect the the task of 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 having such conversations and remembering that we are one body is to learn from one another. Yeah. That there is a uniqueness that. And again, I use African culture generically because there are nuances in every, in, in, every, in every context. But there is a beauty that as a Ugandan, um, I can learn from uh, an Asian, that I can learn from an Australian, that I can learn from an American. And I should be willing to learn to do that. And there's something that they could learn from from me, I hope. Um, okay. And there's something they can learn from an African, from an Asian. And so... I think what is crucial, and that leads me to the third point. You see, I told you. (laughs) (laughs) Leads me to the third point, the idea that we are doing this for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. I think that shouldn't be lost to us. We are not trying, I hope, we are not trying to build our kingdoms. We're not trying to elevate ourselves or show how how brilliant we are uh, or any other material benefit because ultimately what will matter He are those words from Christ when we face him, welcome home, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. And if we don't receive that response from him, then we have failed mm-hmm. at our task. And so when we think about contextualization, when we think about ministry, when we think about theology, when we think about what we do, we must be doing it to the glory of God. And if we are, then we will hold hands together regardless of our culture backgrounds. Yeah regardless of our gender, regardless of our skin color or mm-hmm. ge- geographical location, we will recognize that what is most important is the expansion of the kingdom of God okay. as it invades darkness and brings light and triumphs over evil and Satan and sin. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that must be the motivating factor in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Amen.
Well, thank you, Kamwende, Crystal, and Joseph. That was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for all your wisdom and for all your advice and for all you for sharing your experience. What do you think, Simon? I live in a situation where there are people from all over the world living just down the street from me. We have a huge uh, refugee population, um, one suburb over. Uh, we've got Muslim and Asian communities. Uh, I live not far from the biggest uh, Chinese community in Brisbane. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's really, really important that I recognize that I live in a multicultural community. Yeah. And uh, I come from a context that's a culture uh, mm. disconnected from the pure gospel, and they do as well. And so I can mm. actually interact with people um, yeah. from that perspective. And so I would encourage people to open themselves up to being um, being ready to experience new cultures, to understand some things that might sound tricky, um, yeah. to allow mm. that to uh, actually help you to see the gospel in more clarity mm. and to see other people yeah. for all of their beauty. What do you reckon? Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that that, that that was pretty much the the theme of the episode, right? That uh, all cultures have they have a rich perspective or something to to offer, but they, they also have blind spots. There's there, mm. there's no perfect culture. I really like what Elizabeth Burrow says that when we consider all the the different parts, the different the diversity of the church from different these different voices from all over the world from the majority world and we become more like Christ and we when we don't have and when we don't consider uh, voices different from uh, our own culture we become less than Christ uh, and I, yeah so hence the importance of li listening to these voices and I think I'm very very happy and very grateful for being able to listen in to to this amazing Amazing people. Mm, me too. Yeah, yeah. And another thing was for me also the uh, kind of the arc of the episode, how at the beginning Kamwende was sharing about this uh, struggle uh, between his uh, African identity and the Christian identity. And I think that that was also kind of the arc of the episode. And I think in the end it, it got resolved uh, the how both for Kamwende and Joseph they both have uh, dealt with, with that struggle or trying to find meaning and identity in, in that in those two areas and i think that they um, they share and what they share i think it can help for others to to empathize recognizing that trying to impose one culture to another into another culture in this case the the western culture into these different uh, context in, in, in Africa, when you're trying to impose a culture, you create this, this sort of, this kind of a struggle and, and, and just more pain. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, I think there is a beauty in nuance, um, hmm. that, uh, 
you know, we we really want to have these really uh, simple black and white answers to every question, but mm-hmm. uh, no, the history and the situation is a mixture of pain uh, and uh, the beauty and wonder of the gospel. Uh, in a sense, it's it's that's the story of scripture, yeah. the, the story of redemptive history that um, Joseph says in Genesis, uh, what mm. you intended for evil, God used for good. And yeah. so... Yeah. In the end, yes, uh, terrible things have happened um, throughout history, but God uses each one of them for good uh, so mm. that we could sit there, um, yeah. people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and discuss mm-hmm. nothing less than the meaning of life. I think that's just mm. wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, again, th- thank you so much for joining us today uh, in this in this episode. I hope that um, you find this this episode helpful. Maybe it challenged you, but also maybe I hope that it also it gave you hope, and it was very very um, uh, rewarding for you to listen to these voices. Please come back and listen more. We've got an absolute. Uh treasure trove of wisdom from every corner of the globe yeah don't forget to to follow us and to share uh, the episode with friends and family and people do you you might think that can benefit from this episode next episode we will be talking about reverse mission about this missionary movement from the majority world to the west so stay tuned see you next time see you next time